Welcome to the Sony Pictures Network's Go Beyond podcast, where we go beyond the surface and uncover the extraordinary. I'm your host, Akshay Kapoor. Today, we have a guest who has excelled to many heights in a variety of passions. She was even the Padma Shri awardee in 1992 and being the first Indian designer to be invited to give an illustrated lecture at the prestigious National Building Museum in Washington, D.C. in 2003. She's had an illustrious career over the years, and today we're going to dive into many touch points about her journey. It's a pleasure to welcome Sunita Kohli. Sunita, welcome to the Go Beyond podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you for that very kind and generous introduction. (laughs) I think it's accurate. You know, Sunita, I think it's safe to say that when it comes to the theme of our podcast, Go Beyond, you are someone who has managed to do so in the most diverse manner. You're a fan of poetry. You're a rock collector. You've authored books on food. You've spent time in academia, educating future leaders, and then professionally been involved in the restoration of monuments and historical buildings. So I think it's safe to say you live a full life and that there's so much to cover and so much to talk about. So can you tell us about growing up in the cultural melting pot of Lucknow and how that catered to you developing and pursuing such diverse passions through the years? I think it began because I was born to the parents that I was Mm -hmm. because they were so interested in uh, and curious about uh, things beautiful and also uh, because I grew up in a city like Lucknow although I was born in Lahore Mm. and both very culturally rich cities. So my early years with my father, particularly, one was spent, uh, you know, going to Kabadi Walas, though of course now they fancily call themselves uh, antiquarians or antique dealers. So I went to my first auction where I actually also bid for something at the age of nine. But that's another long story. May I just ask you quickly what it was you were bidding on? Uh, a string of round emerald beads. Wow. Yeah, Wow. I know. My father was aghast when actually the bid came through because he couldn't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, you know, my father laid a great emphasis on traveling and on education. And my parents were great readers, so immersive reading became part of our lives. We've exchanged books and recommended books to each other. And Lucknow is a very laid back uh, life in one sense, which gave one time to reflect. And my father always said, if somebody was looking for me and they were saying, where's Sunita? She said, where could she be? She must be somewhere either dreaming or reading. I studied music for many, many years, Hindustani classical music, and I have a Visharad in it also. So all that went alongside studying literature and uh, traveling with my parents and that sort of laid back uh, life I think is what in later years probably was making the foundations of my profession uh, as an interior designer and now it's been 50 years. Well, I think it's very common for us in our younger years to have such a diverse range of interests and passions and pursuits. Mm. I think the obvious question is, how did you manage to maintain this even in your adult life? Um, I mean, there's work and which I consider also pleasurable, uh, but Mm. there are also interests which are pleasurable. And everybody speaks about multitasking. I have to admit that I have never, ever been a multitasker. Whatever I'm doing or whoever I'm with, I'm concentrated in that moment. 
I don't see other things beyond me. Whether that's fault or failing or whatever, but that's me. So I think, hmm. uh, you know, one of the reasons I've been able to work on many diverse design projects simultaneously. And when I say diverse, not only are, because their cultural milieu is different, hmm. the research that was required or is required is different, is because hmm. I can mentally compartmentalize. So I guess right. that's the way everybody has their own formula. And this is mine, I think. Right. Lovely. We just talked about, you know, the what led to you developing a love for design. Was it sort of serendipitous that it actually became a career for you? Or what was the journey like to actually making that a career that you wanted to pursue? I think it was serendipity. <laughs> and uh, also that, uh, you know, uh, in my growing up years, there was no such thing as interior design as a profession. It just did not exist. I'd never even heard the word whilst I was growing up. When is the first time you heard the word? I think uh, the first thing I started doing was collecting 19th century furniture, which you could find in Lucknow, because Lucknow is part of that great Taluktari belt, which goes from Lucknow to Calcutta. Right. And, you know, you found really very beautiful things, which don't exist any longer. So um, then from that, I had a small antiquarian business. Uh, when I first started and then I started reproducing those items of furniture and then when somebody said why don't you decorate my room was the first time it really registered that Hmm. my furniture where it was going I was also going to be decorating those rooms I I had yet to become a designer so I think that's when I first heard it and then I did my first hotel for the Oberoi's in 1975 in Khajurao and I sort of learned on the shop floor and of course in my profession you're only as good as your last project and that led to other projects and before I knew it I was a hotel designer and I was working internationally. <laughs> That's lovely. I mean, that all sort of culminated for you in 92 when you won the Padma Shri for interior design and restoration. And I think obviously that's an amazing accomplishment all around, but it's even more so when you realize that you never actually had any formal training in interior design. So, you know, with that in mind, did not having any formal training in interior design mean that you had to face any unplanned challenges when this passion became your profession? Every project was a challenge, but to be a designer, designer is to have the same sort of talent, I guess you would call it, if I may sort of humbly say so, is like Hmm. what musicians have, which comes naturally to them. I think it's a fair claim, right? Yes. So I think that the ability to conceive within one's mind and see with one's mind's eye, uh, you might see a greenfield project and your mind in two years time has already seen what that hotel will be like once it is completed. That ability and the steps that go towards building up that concrete realization is what I think makes designers. I always say that I cannot be blase about the fact that uh, I was conferred the Padma Shri. It's a huge honor Hmm. and particularly being the first Uh, was it also puts a responsibility of sorts so that was very inwardly rewarding you know I have never ever used my Padma Shri 
um metal you know you're supposed to use it for formal things but i have it in a cupboard and i like to open it and see it it makes me feel quite happy <laughs> <laughs> i can totally imagine so they say the proof of the pie is in the eating the evidence is when you visit k2 india's website and you click on the award section and over the years is just a scroll of different pictures of different awards yes yes so i mean as you said serendipitously it happened for me <laughs> so one is kind of grateful for that but also you've enjoyed a short stint in academia correct could you tell us a little bit about your life in academia and why education is such an important part of who you are well you know because uh, my first job in life was actually teaching at loreto college in lucknow and i taught world history whilst i was doing my own masters at lucknow university mm-hmm. and why was i teaching world history because i had done intermediate uh, before i went to lady shriram college to do my ba honors in english and through some strange reason i got the highest marks in world history that the college had ever got <laughs> so when i returned principal mother bernadine asked me to teach uh, every day and then of course then i started working on a phd on christopher marlo after my ma which i never completed i only had 3 months to go then for a very short spell i became a copywriter that's something i didn't particularly enjoy because i'd come from a background of academia and then to be in a great firm all right but they were all very excited about a modern bread account which was 50 lakhs and they were all you know the jingle mummy mummy modern bread i said oh my god where's world history and and malo and where's this so i said you know there was an amazing lot of people who were there at that time i mean truly very creative very amazing right. but copywriting i realized very quickly was not for me and fortunately very shortly after that i started to restore furniture got married and in 71 i began what i do to date which is interior design and manufacture furniture that's lovely i think one thing that clearly stands out sunita is that through everything you've shared with us you really go to great lengths and you always sort of seem to be excelling you know in various avenues whether it's interior design whether it's world history I must ask you you are a rock collector so is it true that you go to great lengths to add rocks that you desire to your collection I don't go to great lengths but I really love rocks and because when you think about it Akshay every rock is some millions of years old whether it's historical or not that's a separate matter right and uh, so you know if i picked up one small rock from bimbetka or anchor wart or you know petra or something hmm. to me it is mnemonic i don't need to buy a souvenir to me the whole trip comes back just by looking at that one rock wow. so i just find them and you know i love because of how organic they are i love petrified wood i collect fossils i wish i had more of them <laughs> Yeah I mean it, it's reminding me of something that you mentioned the one of the first times we spoke mm-hmm. which is there's this story of an airplane when you were if i recall correctly you were trying to bring an ammonite back from uh, somewhere abroad oh my god well you see uh, i had seen this wonderful ammonite 
uh, which my cousin in law in New York had got from Morocco. Right. And uh, she said, "You know, Sunita, you love it so much. I have two. I'll give you one." <laughs> Now, the one that she gave me, the smaller one, was only twenty-five kg. So wow. <laughs> I couldn't put it in my suitcase because it wouldn't have gone through. I said, "Let me try and take it out." So I put that in my sturdy, you know, trolley bag hmm. uh, to carry on, and I put it through the security check. And the chap at JFK Airport said, "What is this?" I said, "This is just a rock." <laughs> He said, "I don't think you'll be allowed to take it in." <laughs> I said, "Look, it's so heavy. I can't do anything with it. You know, I've just put it." He was very nice, I must say. He said, "Look, lady, I'll allow you to go through, but how you get it on the plane is your own business." So what I did was, I mean, there are many advantages to wearing a sari. So beneath my knees, my bag with the 25 kilo ammonite. And I tucked it under that, and I took out my two shawl and I put it across my knees and pretended I was very sick and closed my eyes. You know, <laughs> so that's the way I got it. <laughs> that's brilliant. I know. Well, you know, there are many ways one has had to do many things. <laughs> Most recent adventure, of course, I was traveling in Armenia and Georgia, and this is the last major trip I made, probably three years ago. Right. And you know, there they had this volcanic glass. Everybody was busy buying the jewelry that is made from this volcanic glass, but I only saw the big clumps of glass that were there. Uh, so whilst my friends were buying all this, I just bought eleven pieces of those. Of course, it's all quite heavy. I wasn't worried about the weight or anything, but how to take it back? Right. I would have to take it in my case, and that time I was not allowed to carry it because it can be a dangerous weapon. <laughs> Uh, uh, so I said okay. Then fortunately, somebody said, "But you can put it in baggage that is going to be booked." Hmm, checked. So it. I did something. Now when I have it, I see it every day in my living room, <laughs> in a bowl. I just love it and the adventure of having got it <laughs> to Delhi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming it blends in with the rest of the design that you have in your living room. I don't. I'm not a great matching matching designer. I think homes should be biographical to me. Right. I mean, because each object should tell its own story, hmm. and it's at least for the people who reside there. Hmm. Uh, it should be meaningful. Of course, but since we talked about your design philosophy, you've also been involved in over the years restoring some of the most breathtaking monuments and historical sites across the world in India, in Egypt, and in, in China, and in Bhutan as well. Can you tell me which has been the one project that you've enjoyed working on the most, for whichever reason? See, uh, if I could rephrase your question slightly, <laughs> I'm not saying the most enjoyable because I really have to say that that every project one has learned much from, and really from every I say that with all uh, sincerity and gratefulness because to me each project has been fantastic for myself, you know. Uh, right. Right. Each project has added to my learning curve. So each project has been very rewarding hmm. and has made me very happy in a way. But if one were to say what was the most challenging project that I have ever worked on, would probably be the Parliament building that I designed 
for the Bhutanese government in Thimphu. Okay. Because at that time, when I was uh, chosen to design it, there were no books available on Bhutan. Hmm. But I was fortunate that uh, at that time, uh, once I had been appointed, then they gave me every help hmm. because you know these become great representative buildings, and they must represent country. and the greatness of that culture right there was another appointment that they gave me a great uh, guide to travel with me to song across the width of bhutan and this was somebody called dasho khandu who had encyclopedic knowledge about uh, bhutanese arts and crafts right so one really had the great fortune of traveling with this amazing man you know and learning so much So you know these have become the great pleasurable experiences of working in other cultures with uh, coming across these amazing people with their amazing minds but I completed it and finished it and then in 2010 when SAF was going to take place for the first time in Bhutan one was invited to add on things to this project I had done then and this time of course it was with my daughter who's an architect kohelika and uh, so we both worked on it and it got many accolades for it no definitely and i'm glad you mentioned that uh, you worked on this with your daughter hmm. because you talked about some of the amazing relationships and encounters you've had with people you've met hmm. and now you founded k2 india with your daughter kohelika and obviously speaking of relationships parent child relationships always have the potential for colorful dynamics on both ends of the spectrum <laughs> so were there initially any unexpected challenges to working with your daughter and how did you come around them <laughs> well you know the first challenge was that when she returned from new york after having uh, got her architectural degree she didn't want to work with me she just wanted to start on her own hmm. and i fully respected that hmm. but um, in 5 years and she done a couple of really good projects by then and of course you know she began off by taking anything that came her way and then we decided that let's pool in our companies under the umbrella of k2 hmm. uh, k2 india and why k2 because k2 is the great mountain more difficult to climb than everest and then right now it was koli and koli hmm. and eventually it would be kohelika koli so i was doing future thinking right <laughs> but then firstly we have a very good relationship as mother and daughter hmm. having said that uh we don't work in the studio as mother and daughter we work as two professionals hmm who bring equal things to the table it's secondary that we happen to be related right one is also fortunate in that because you know i have never um, i mean it's not that and whenever she refers to me as her boss i mean she's um, uh, i don't know who is whose boss because you know she's the ceo of the company so right. i have to abide by <laughs> several decisions that she makes <laughs> <laughs> you know um Sunita one of the things that has stood out in all the the stories you've shared so far is there's this sense of um symbolism and themes when you talk about your design philosophy 
when you talked about the project in Bhutan having to represent the diversity of the Bhutanese culture. Hmm. And of course, one can obviously see that as a student of literature, that's where the roots of this philosophy perhaps lie. But it's so poetic and I know that poetry is something that is not just close to your heart but also an integral part of your identity. And you mentioned that you read two poems every day and admittedly each poem is filled with a number of unique messages for each reader. But what has been the single biggest takeaway that poetry has had for you? You know, I I like to read uh, and I enjoy poetry. And yes, I read two poems a day, every single day. Hmm. And uh, so that becomes also part of my mindscape. They are, hmm. they are all inhabitants of my mind. This is my pleasure. Have you ever taken a gander at writing some poetry yourself? Don't we all? <laughs> I mean, good, bad or indifferent. <laughs> but... Uh, I did cover four notebooks of uh, poems and those two in blank verse okay. uh, because there was a period when I was in, I was hospitalized hmm. for sort of three months and uh, so I started keeping a journal and that has converted itself into a book of poems called Not a Fall from Grace because I fell and I broke my neck so therefore the title. But it will only be for internal and family distribution. Fantastic. And as we come to the close of our conversation today, Sunita, I wanted to return to this idea of going beyond in different spheres of life. Having been someone who's excelled in diverse fields, do you have any takeaway for our listeners who may be looking to do the same? Uh, you know, going beyond is a very relative term because uh, and being diverse, which you kindly called me, is also relative. It's the interest that one has when one is young, in one's youth. Hmm. And I'm going to quote, uh, uh, it's from a play by Eugene O'Neill where he says that only in your youth can you prepare for your middle age. And I've always said that sometimes I wish young people would realize not to waste time because, right. you know, time is of the essence. For instance, I'm in the autumn of my life, hmm. uh, but because I just turned 75 and I wish there were some things that I was studying now and I've had a life of study, but I wish there were some subjects that I've, started to hugely interest me now. I could have started working on them in my 30s. Absolutely. And speaking of the subjects you thought maybe you wish you had studied in your younger days, any specific subjects that you can think of right now? I wish I had studied Indian philosophy hmm. the way it interests me now. I mean, you know, I have to tell you one of my most favorite books in the world is the Mahabharat. And I have read many, many versions of it. And I've read also many commentaries on it, like Yuganth by that brilliant Dr. Ira Karwade. Hmm. And uh, so I wish I had begun this study much, much earlier. <laughs> Sunita, I think that brings us to the close of our conversation today. But thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the Go Beyond podcast. And I must say that some of the stories and the little pearls of wisdom that you've shared, I think uh, they have been definitely of great interest to me. And I'm sure our listeners will find something that changes their perspective in their pursuit in life. Thank you so much, Akshay. It's, you've been a wonderful interviewer. 
and uh, this is my first podcast i didn't realize it could be done with so much ease <laughs> so thank you for that it's been wonderful and uh, you know i hope your listeners enjoy it as much as i have enjoyed speaking with you <laughs> If you liked what you heard be sure to subscribe to and follow the Go Beyond podcast on www.sonypicturesnetworks.com/podcast. We're also present on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and a host of other platforms. Don't forget to rate and review us too. I've been your host Akshay Kapoor and I look forward to seeing you on our next journey into the beyond.